Uh, we are really glad that you're here. Welcome to the living room. My name's Matt. I haven't gotten to meet you yet. Super excited to continue this conversation with you. Now, I do have a question I want to begin with today. How many of you, I just need to know, like for my sake, is anybody in here from South Georgia? South of Macon is called South Georgia. Basically, south of Atlanta, we're going to go south of Macon. Show of hands. Okay, good. Of you in South Georgia, uh, everyone like, you raised your hand high. That was good. There's some people like, I'm not from there. No, you, you went for it. That was good. Uh, if you've ever heard of a place called Waresboro, raise your hand. That's not real. You don't know where, you for, are you from Waresboro? Okay, good, because there's like 30 people from there, yeah. So when I was a kid, I had a family that lived in Waresboro. It's literally called Waresboro, okay? Just let that sit on you for a moment. And whenever we would come back from visiting my cousin Harry, guys, the story is perfect, okay? My cousin Harry, I would always come back and I would have the deepest southern drawl you ever heard of. Guys, in case you didn't know, that's not how I really talk. I didn't know if you knew that or not. That's not real. But I would come back every time I'd see them, and I'd, I'd end up having this right here. And I'm from, I lived in, like, North Carolina in the mountains in Asheville, so, like, that's a different kind of redneck. No. This, though, in Waresboro, it affected me, I think is what happened. Infected, affected, I don't know. But it happened to me because I very much just took on the accent of where I was in Waresboro. And then when I got to high school, that wasn't the last time something happened to me. When I got to high school, all my friends were super into music in their cars and like getting the best sound systems in their cars. And so I was like, cool, I'll be that guy too. So I had two tens in the back of my car. That's right, get off. You can't play, except for I drove a Ford Taurus, guys. Okay, so two tens in the back of a Ford Taurus. You ever see those cars where the license plate just goes the whole time. You're like, can you please get off the road? Yeah. That was me in high school. I was a winner. I had so many friends. Um, yeah, it was great. But then there's another thing I think you should know about me is that when I was also a kid, there's something I couldn't escape, something that happened, something that happened because of the people around me. I like was born to be a Georgia fan. Any Georgia fans in the room? Okay. Okay. I'm always like, how much do I play into this? Like, should I ask if you're a Florida fan and then just walk off? Should I play into it? I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I won't, good luck this year. Um, no, I was born to be a Georgia fan. My parents went to Georgia. My sister went to Georgia. My brother-in-law went to Georgia. Like, from an itty-bitty, itty-teeny-weeny little kid, I was a Georgia fan. Look, look at this. You can't make this up, guys. So first, if anybody can find this hat, I will pay you so much money. Because this hat in 1991 would be everything right now, but I don't know where it is. Probably thrown away, even though my mom's a mini hoarder, so she has everything from when I was a kid, except that hat, Laura. I'll find it one day. Anyways, this is what I was born into. The people around me were Georgia fans, so of course I became a Georgia fan. So, uh, guys, welcome. It's week two of Living My Best Life, and what we want to talk about tonight is the company that you keep and the people around you. And what can happen in your life when you take the wisdom that we're going after in this series and you apply it to your relationships, you apply it to your friendships, whenever you take that wisdom and you decide to apply it to the company that you keep. Because here's what's true that we all know. This is what I just shared the stories about, and this is what you know is true, is that we become like the people that we are around. We become like the people that we're around. Now, this doesn't say, just to be very clear, that you become the people you are around. How many of y'all seen The Notebook? Every guy's like, I guess. Oh, I don't know. No, yeah. We all know The Notebook. That super 
trashy rom-com. I'm just kidding. It's not. It was kind of funny at parts. But he's like, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. I'm like, screw that, man. I'm a lion. I will eat you, right? No, I'm, I'm not going to become what you are just because I'm around you, but I become like you. This is true for all of us. So I didn't become a southern hillbilly like my family from Waresboro. I love them. They're incredible. They're doing great things now. But no, that wasn't me, but I became like them. I don't know that I knew everything about a sound system. My brother-in-law put it in the back of my car, but I became like them. Now, I did, I did definitely become something Georgia, but that's a whole different story, right? No, we become like the people that we are around. And in a lot of ways, this has good and bad things for our life. Every single one of you, whoever you hang out with, whoever you spend your time around, whatever relationships you have, there are positives and negatives to this. We know some of the negatives. Think about it. If you spend your time around somebody who gossips and you're like, oh, never. Well, if you do that, you start to gossip. Have you ever seen that happen? You spend time around someone who runs their mouth all the time and you're like, why am I talking bad about them? I don't even know them. What is happening to me? It's because you're hanging out with that company. Maybe for some of you, that whenever you're some, around someone who just got a potty mouth and you think it's real funny, but then you evaluate later and you're like, the amount of cuss words I say in my life that I didn't even know existed three weeks ago is exponentially greater now that I'm hanging out with them. Hmm. Or you ever been around someone that's super sarcastic and then you just get this extra level of sass? Like you woke up and you're like, I'm gonna be spicy today. That's what I'm gonna do. You're like, why are you choosing to do that? Oh, that's right, because Sarah is sarcastic. Mm-hmm. I also don't know why it's always a female name that happens with these things, but you hang out with someone who's negative, what do you turn into? A negative Nancy. That's awful, fine. How about a Debbie Downer? Yeah, it's always girl names. We need guy names, you know what? How about, um, see, what's a guy name we can do? Where's, where's Frank? Can we pick on Frank? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Guys, we're not, pick, we're not picking on Frank. I always pick on Frank. Frank, I love you. I'm not gonna pick on you this time. No, this is what we become. When you're around someone who's negative, what happens? Naturally, you become more negative. Your thoughts tend to drift towards negative because you hear it from them all the time or you see it in their body language and you adopt it. Or for some of you, whenever you start hanging out with people who party all the time, you're like, it is Tuesday and I'm about to get turned up. And then you realize it's a Tuesday and you're like, what's happening in my life right now on Tuesday that I'm doing this This shouldn't happen ever on a Tuesday, but you're doing it because of the company that you keep. Now, those are bad things if you're, like, if I just called you out because you, you party real hard on Tuesdays and, like, last night you're still recovering today. Listen, there's no shame here. There's no judgment. I just don't understand why. What are you doing on a Tuesday, right? No. There are also good things, though, that happen with the company that you keep. It's not just negative. It's not just the bad things. There's also good. You ever notice how if you hang around someone who's super encouraging, a lot of times you start becoming a more encouraging person? You hear the encouraging words they say, and you're like, hey, I see that that makes people feel good. I'm gonna start doing that too. Like, why did I wake up nice today? Oh, probably because, insert some girl name, was super nice. It's always girl names, right? No, if you hang out with someone who laughs all the time. How many of y'all like stand-up comedy? Show hands. Somebody tell me their favorite stand-up comic. Theo Vaughn. Theo Vaughn. I remember when he was on Road Rules, guys. That's how old I am. You don't even know what that is. It's fine. Who, Kevin Hart? I would watch literally anything with Kevin Hart. Any Kevin Hart fans? Any y'all going to see him when he comes to Atlanta? That's right, because you're in college and you don't have the coins. Yeah, no. But he's great. He's so great. Now, here's what happens. I love stand-up comedy. It's one of my favorite things to watch. But watching stand-up comedy by myself, not as good. 
But when you watch stand-up with another friend, you start laughing until you cry. Why? Because they're laughing out of their minds like Frank is doing right now. (laughs) It's always you, Frank. I love you. That's what happens. They're all laughing because Frank's laughing. When you laugh, you're around other people who laugh. You see, it wears off on you. Maybe if you're positive, you start to hope more. You start to worry less. Maybe this is what I've seen in my life. Whenever I'm around someone who's a really disciplined and diligent hard worker, when I just wanna like quit, I'm like, it's good enough. They're like, good enough doesn't exist in my vernacular. We're gonna keep going until it's perfect. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm gonna keep going. Hard work wears off on you. It makes you a harder worker. And so here's what I want you to know tonight. This is where we're gonna go for the next few moments as we talk about the company you keep. What I want you to know is something that's gonna be super simple, super obvious. It's not gonna be really life-changing for you at the beginning, but it's something that I think every one of us need to understand. Because by show of hands, I want everyone to respond to this. How many of you have a friend in the room? Whether they're in the room or not, how many of you have friends? Better way to say it. If you're online, you can raise your hand. It's totally fine. We all have friends. And what I need you to know is this. Your friends matter. You're like, oh, I know. They're so special. Like, No, I don't mean like they matter. I mean like who you choose to have friends, your friends really matter. Your friends in this season of life matter. And you know this is true. And it's especially true in college because something about your life just changed. Whether you're a senior or you're a freshman, somewhere in the last few years, your life changed from what it always was before. Because now the people you hang out with affect you far more than they ever did. And a big reason why is because for the very first time in your life, you really are surrounding yourself with your friends far more than your family. Now, when you're in high school, you may be like, I could never be around my parents. I skipped out every dinner. I hung out in my room and played on my phone the whole time. That's called isolation. That's not being around friends. That's just having a not fun life. No, in college, you choose to be around people just like you. There are 500 of y'all in this room tonight who are on the exact same season of life. That doesn't really happen before this season. You get to choose your roommates. How many of you have roommates? How many of you wish you had different roommates? Don't put your hand down. Don't you do that, guys. We just started the year, okay? You got nine more months minimum to get through it. No, we have roommates. And if you chose wisely, your roommates are your friends. You live with your friends, not your mom, Laura. No, you live with your friends now. I love my mom. I'm gonna call her by her first name a lot because it's real funny whenever you hear it. She's the greatest. If you've ever been around Gwinnett Church, Lala, love you. No, now you live with your friends. You live with your roommates, you are your friends. And so your friends... You spend more time around them than anyone else in your life. And this is beginning to be something new in this season. So yes, your friends matter, but in this season, I would kind of finish the sentence this way. Your friends matter just as much, if not even more, than your family. But really, until you get to college, you can't say that that's true. Because your family, whether the family you were born into, the family you were adopted to, is still truly your family. But in college, what I found to be true is my friends really became my family. They're the ones I spent life with. They're the ones I did everything with. They're the ones I spent the most time with. They're the ones I hung out with. They're the ones that I would determine my calendar around. How many of you chose classes simply because either your friend was in the class or it lined up with their schedule? Anyone do that? If you didn't, there's your tip for next year. Just do it with your friends. It's so much more fun. I scheduled my entire calendar around my friends when I was in college. Because see, in college is when you get to meet more people in the same season of life as you than you've ever met before. But then once you meet them, once you get to find them, once you have them, 
you get to choose your friends like never before. When you were in high school, before this season of life, your friends really was the proximity of wherever your parents lived. And then you got keys midway through high school and you all of a sudden started to realize, whoa, there are guys and girls from other schools that are super cute and they don't know me yet. I'm gonna get to know them because I can drive. But really, it's still proximity. But then you get to college. And every one of us realize that once you get out of that high school season, that little bubble you grew up in, you realize how small it really was. Because all of a sudden, the amount of people that you met that you never knew existed before just made your bubble go like this. And you get to choose who it is that you want to be in your circles. You get to choose who it is that you want to spend time with. You get to choose your company like never before. But it's not just the fact that you get to choose. Here's the key for tonight. Who you choose matters far more than how many you may choose. Who you choose to put in your company, who you choose to call your friends matters greatly in life. Because here's what we know is true. Your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. Your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. Now, I would not have known that this was true until I got to college. But when I got to college, I went to Georgia, but I went my sophomore year. So it's like this little badge of shame that I feel like no one knows. I went my sophomore year. I stayed home my freshman year, worked at this church, hung out, chose to do all these classes. I go up to Athens my sophomore year, and I knew a total of three people in Athens. Three people in a massive college town. Like when you first got to wherever it is you go to school, if you moved out of the house and you didn't know anybody, it can feel terrifying. It can feel overwhelming. And I'm coming in as a sophomore and I feel like everyone's already got their crew, everyone's already got their people, everyone's already got their little community, but I'm trying to figure this out brand new. And one of the three people that I knew on the third night I was there, not making this up, it was on Wednesday, the first week I moved to Athens, was like, hey man, we're gonna go out and hang out with some other, other people that I know. You should come with us. And I was like, what else do I have to lose? I can sit in here by myself or I can come with you. So I was like, all right, Chris, I'll come. And so Chris Crittenden, who became one of my roommates, one of my friends, invited me to go and hang out at this place called the 218 in Athens. And I walk into this apartment, this like nasty cockroach infested apartment. You know what I'm talking about, like a college guy's apartment bless you girls for hanging out with them. No, I walk in and these two guys are sitting on the couch and they're watching football. And I'm like, oh, this is sick. What's up, guys? His name's Dugan and his name's Perk. And Dugan and Perk, oh yeah, you can't make this up. That's their real names, guys. Why are you laughing at the names their parents gave them? They didn't choose it. It was his middle name. And so he went with, don't worry about him, all right? Fine. Perk and Dugan, so I'm calling them because that's their names. Perk and Dugan are sitting on the couch. And they're hanging out, and I'm like, oh, these guys look cool. They're watching football. I like to watch football. We're gonna be friends. This is great. They say, hey, they don't look weird. This is awesome. My friend knows him. Connecting real quick. And then I scan this nasty college apartment to the left, and there's a giant bean bag. I'm talking like a bean bag that's like 12 feet big. Not really, but it's how it felt in my life because there's a human on the bean bag who is, how can I say this, not small. He's six foot three. 265 pounds, shredded. Like, imagine Gaston with his shirt off. That's Bo. And so Bo's sitting there wearing only his boxers, drinking a PBR, and goes, 
what's up, Hayes? You want one? I was like, I'm good, man. I don't, are you going to kill me? Like, this is terrifying. He was a walk-on defensive lineman on the football team and threw hammer in the spring. Like, this man was a character from those three people that I met. Everyone else that I met in my time in Athens, I essentially met because of them. I didn't even hang out with them all the time, but the influence that I had around them determined all these decisions that I decided to make. Their influence determined all these decisions I decided to make. And so because of one of those guys, they had a friend who played on the volleyball team and he was like, Matt, you should come try out. And so I was like, all right, why not? So I try out for the volleyball team, make the volleyball team, meet my best friend. Now I'm his godfather to his son. Like just all of my friends from this college season came from meeting these three guys. And see, what you need to understand about your friends that you may not know now, but you can learn from the wisdom of someone else's past who's lived it out like we talked about last week, is that as they go, you go. As your friends go, wherever they go, whatever they choose is what you end up choosing. And Perk and Dugan and Bo were three guys who loved Jesus. And they were involved in this thing called the Wesley Foundation at Georgia. And so I started going to Wesley to worship every single Wednesday night. And then they got involved in Athens Church when it started, so I started to get involved in Athens Church. And the community that I found, the friends I found, the circles that I kept ended up being people who were incredible people because they were incredible people. And my entire college experience, in a large way, was determined by them and by who they were and the quality of people that they were. And what I found is that as they go, so did I. And so the question I wanna ask you tonight is I want you to think about your friends, whether they look like Gaston drinking a PBR and they're only their boxers, which is odd. Um, I don't know how many of y'all have that, but I did. No, I don't know how many of you have that experience or how many of you have a large circle of friends. But if where they go, you go, then the question I need to ask you is, where are you going? Where are you going? In other words, I want you to think about what is the, What's the quality of your life? So in order to find the ability to say, I'm living my best life, we need to evaluate our friends. And by evaluating our friends, we also need to evaluate ourselves. Let me ask it this way. What can the quality of your friends tell you about the quality of your life? If you evaluate your life and the quality of the life that you feel like you have, how does that equate to the quality of your friends? Or what types of friends then do we need to look like that can make sure that the quality of our life increases? What are those type of, what do those type of people look like? How do we find them in our life? I wanna unpack that for the next few moments because I truly do believe that your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. So if you wanna say, I'm living my best life, then the people you have surrounding you matter so much. And last week, I introduced you to this guy who was the wisest person who ever lived. His name's Solomon. And Solomon, at 20 years old, had an opportunity from God where God said, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want, you ask for it. And at 20 years old, just like you, Solomon said, grant me wisdom to know how to discern right from wrong and to know how to lead your people well. And so God gave him wisdom in droves. And it's something that he gives to us more than we'd ever know if we would simply ask for it. And so Solomon, in asking for it, gains all this wisdom. 
And then he writes all these Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, kind of in the middle of your Bible. It's all these short sentences drawn from long experiences that allow you to pull out wisdom and apply it to your own life. And here's what Solomon wants for you. We talked about it last week. In Proverbs chapter eight, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, says, you, I'm talking to all of you, every single person who reads this, who's under my voice, all of you, everyone out here in the streets, because he had swagger. I don't want to mess with Solomon. He says, listen, don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. And I want to talk about this tonight because I know that every single one of you want that. All of us want to live the best possible life. No one's ever going to wake up and be like, I can't wait for today to suck. Like, no, we all want it to be the best possible day, the best possible season, best possible year, because you want to live the best possible life. And Solomon is telling you how to do it. And in this pursuit of wisdom and applying it to your life, he starts to talk about the relationships that you have and the company that you keep and why it matters so much. So a few chapters later in Proverbs chapter 13, here's what Solomon says. He says, become wise. Like, you want wisdom? Here you go. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Now, there's a few things in here we need to look at. Very first thing, this first piece of it, become wise by walking with the wise. In other words, it's like osmosis. I was an English major. I don't even fully know what that means, but I know that it means that you gather everything around you and you sponge it into yourself. So if you choose to walk among the wise, by default, you will start to become more wise yourself. The company you keep matters. Your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. Become wise by walking with the wise. But here, check out the second part. It says, hang out with fools. And notice what he doesn't say. Solomon doesn't say, hang out with fools and become more foolish. It's far worse. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Other versions would say, watch your life be ruined. Watch harm come to you. And so it's not just that you'll become more foolish or not wise by not hanging out with wise people, but if you surround yourself with fools, your life will be ruined. The opposite of the best possible life. The opposite of saying, I'm living my best life. So I just need to ask you, is as you think about the people closest to you and who they are, if you think about them honestly, the people who influence you the most, the people that you like gather their accent just because you've been around them, have you ever stopped to consider that maybe the reason your life isn't where you want it to be is because your friends are fools? See, none of us would ever say that. No one's ever like, yeah, Timmy, <laughs> He's an idiot, but man, I love hanging out with him. Like, no. None of us are honest to that point of being like, yeah, my friends are horrible. But if the quality of your life isn't where you want it to be, what Solomon just said is you may need to look at a hard, take a hard look at who your friends are. Because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your friends. So if, you're, if you can't say I'm living my best life, then what does it actually say about the people you're surrounding yourself with? the company that you keep. And now there's some of you, as I say this, you're gonna sit there and think like, yeah, 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 I, I'm being a missionary friend. Like, I know my friends suck, but I don't. And I'm gonna make them so much better because they get to hang out with me. Like, I get it. But let me also tell you something very true for all of you. It doesn't matter 
how strong you are as a person or emotionally. It doesn't matter how spiritual, spiritual you are, how much spiritual maturity you may think that you have. It doesn't matter whether you wake up, have your quiet time every day, read the Bible all the time, follow all the rules, and you got it made. It doesn't matter how disciplined you are. There is a principle for every single person in life that's true for all of us, whether you follow Jesus or not, that we need to understand when it comes to the company that we keep. Here's the principle. It says the people that you walk with determine the path that you take. The people that you walk with determine the path that you take. I'm gonna explain this a little further. Ultimately, it's the people around you that most affect you. And who you choose to pull close to you is everything. There's this girl named Jenny Allen, this lady who wrote this book called Find Your People, and she starts to talk about the people who are closest to you and how they affect you through this image of circles. So I'm gonna take a really brave step and try to draw some circles tonight. <laughs> Pray for me. Because here's what she says. She says, essentially, every single one of you, whether you're aware of it or not, have circles of friends and circles of community in your life. And so you have this massive circle in your life. Gosh, you're so welcome. I mean, just, guys, that's, actually, no, that's a little bit like an oblong head. I don't know. We're gonna call it a circle. But this wide net, this wide circle of people in your life, what she calls these people, she calls them your acquaintances. I said I was an English major, so if I don't spell this right, um, that's the end of me. Your acquaintances. Your acquaintances are the people that are around you, the people that you're aware of, the people that are in your life, your friends as you pass by. You're like, oh, hey, how you doing, Sherry? Like, you know those people. But what she says is that there's actually science to show that you are not wired, you are not designed to have honestly more than about 50 of those people. And if you would have told me this when I was in college, you'd be like, well, they're wrong because I got 300 friends within five miles. And then I moved back home and I realized I had about five friends within about 30 miles. See, these people are the ones we know at a surface level that are in our life, that interact with us, but they come and go. They're in and out all the time. Then she said there's a second circle. And this circle, the second one, is a little bit smaller, a little more intentional. That's a better circle, guys. Gosh, killing the game tonight. And this circle right here, she calls your village. This is your village. And your village, while obviously being smaller, is only meant to really have about 15 people. There are about 15 people in your village. These are the people that you live life with. These are the people that walk alongside you. These are the people that you work with. These are your coworkers. These are your neighbors. These are your roommates. But then there's a smaller circle. And this is the one I wanna really talk about. A small, tiny little circle in the middle. And this small circle is called your core. These are your core people. These are the people that know everything about you and that you are not afraid to let everything know, uh, let everything about you be known to them. But you are only designed to actually be able to hold between two to five people in your core. And so if you look around at yourself, you look around at your life, and you think about the relationships you have in your life, I want you to think about who is in your core. Because you are the sum of the five closest people to you. And so if the quality of your life isn't where you want it to be and you can't say I'm living my best life, then one of the first and best places to look is who are you surrounding yourself with? 
Who's in your core? And see, the reason why that's true, that the people that you walk with determine the path that you take, is because your friends exist in a way kind of like gravity. See, you can sit here and think, but I'm so strong, or I got my stuff together. I know they don't really have their stuff together, but I got my stuff together, so they're gonna get better because I got my stuff together. It's the same thing of like dating. Like, I know that they're not really best for me, but I'm really good for them, and so I'm just gonna make them better by being around them. Guys, that's called toxic codependency. Don't do it. But also, it happens in friendships. Because your friendships, your circles, your relationships are like gravity, It is far easier if I asked Frank, love you, if I asked Frank to stand right here and I said, Frank, I'm not even gonna try. Try to pull me down. It would be so easy because Frank is so strong and strapping and not because of that, because of gravity. If I asked any of you, grab my hand and pull me down, it would not be hard at all for you to pull me down. But if I had Frank stand right here, I was like, Frank, don't try anything. I'm gonna pull you up. It would be so much harder for me to pull him up. Why? Because of gravity. Gravity exists in science, it exists in life, and it exists in your relationships. It is so much easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. And so if you're surrounding yourself in the core of your relationships with a bunch of people who are bringing you down, it is very unlikely that you're gonna be the reason that all of them get pulled up. What you'll see happen in your life is that you get pulled down. Paul, the writer of a third of our Bible, one of the apostles, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the wisest men who ever lived, he actually talks about this reality of the company that you keep, but he talks about it through the lens that's not just for Jesus followers. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians. He's talking to the people who are trying to follow Jesus in the the church in Corinth. Look what he says. He says, do not be misled. In other words, Don't get it twisted. You're not gonna pull everybody else up around you because bad company corrupts good character. But if you notice, this is actually a quote. Because this is actually pulled from a quote that's 300 years before him of a Greek poet. This isn't even like a Jesus thing. This is a human thing. The bad company corrupts good character. And so if we pull back, we realize that our circles matter and who we allow in, who we choose to put into our core, who we have in our village, and who are our acquaintances. It's gonna matter more than anything. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking like, man, that's awesome, that's great, Uh, but I don't know that this is the best thing for me. (laughs) I don't know that I can say I'm living my best life. I'm not sure that the circles I'm keeping are the best. I didn't really join a small group. I don't really have a village around me to to guide me and to help me and support me as I go through life. I need to figure this out because these people aren't great either. And the acquaintances I keep, I don't even know 50 people, let alone have people in my life. So what do you do? I wanna give you three simple things that you can do to make sure that your relationships are filled with wisdom so that you can live your best possible life. Here are the three things. I thought I'd get real creative and flip it for you. Y'all didn't know that was coming. The very first thing that you need to do In order to find, in order to have those relationships, if I can get that to lock in, thank you, is you need to find them. You need to find these people. You need to be honest about what types of people they are and look for the right people. 
This means you need to go after and look for who are truthful people, who are honest people, who are trustworthy people that I know, that I can pull closer to me. Who are they? There's something I read recently that said, people share your secrets. This is gonna hit hard, you ready? People share your secrets because they love themselves more than they love you. So if you're surrounding yourself with someone who can't hold secrets, it's probably not the person who's looking out for your best interest. Are your friends trustworthy? Are they aligned? Are they living the type of life that you ultimately want? Do they believe the things that you believe? Are they pulling you like gravity towards a greater destination? Are you aligned in that? And see, the truth about finding the right people in your life is that if you run to the right places, you'll most likely run into the right people. So if you're searching for people, if you wanna find people, then the places you're running to to look for them matters. Guys, this is one of the massive reasons why I believe so much in TLR. Because every single person in this room makes mistakes. Every single one of y'all get it wrong, just like me. Not a single one of us have it all together, but all of us can come together, pointed to the exact same thing of trying to get it right. And the way that we get it right is by looking and pointing to Jesus because he wants the best possible life for us. And so you gotta find the right people. But what's cool is that once you find the right people, you'll start to see that another thing is available to you is that you can start to make those people. First, you gotta find them, then you gotta make them. Cool, how do you make them? Well, in order to make them, it's gonna take a little bit of something called intentionality. See, if you wanna make the right friends, it may mean that you've actually gotta step forward and do something. It may mean that you've actually gotta sit there and quit waiting on people to come to you and bring you community, and you gotta be like, I'm gonna go make it myself. This is something super fresh in our life. See, the older you get, the more intentionality that it's gonna take for you to hold friendships, for you to have quality friendships in your life. And so the earlier you can learn that you have the ability to make the relationships that you actually want in your life, the quicker you're gonna find them when you become an adult. You gotta make them. You gotta do what's necessary to get there. And if you wanna keep going in the back, the last thing that you need to do is once you find them and then you make them, some of you need to evaluate where you are and you need to move them because there are people in your circles that don't need to be in your circles. There are people that you've allowed to be a part of your core. You don't need to actually let be in your core anymore. Maybe what you need to do is you need to realize that who you allow into the circles in your life is your choice. Now this isn't an excuse to go and be rude. Like, hey, uh, you don't have all your stuff together, so <laughs> see you later. Like, no. This isn't an excuse to go and have a conversation of like, uh, I'll talk to you whenever you're healthy. <laughs> see you later. Like, no. This isn't an excuse to be rude. If anything, it's an opportunity for you to be kind. But it may mean that some of you need to understand how to have boundaries in your life. It doesn't mean that you have to completely disconnect from people who may not have that for you, but it may mean you need to distance yourself from some people who don't need to be in your core. It may mean that as you look at your circles, some people in your core just need to become part of your village. And it may be for a season that they move back into it, but it, just the seasons of life change. Your life changes, the wisdom you get changes, 
The things that you like change. Where you are in life changes. And so it may mean that you need to take someone from your inner core, your inner circle, and move them out to your village. Maybe it means you need to take some people that are a part of your village, and you just need to make them acquaintances. You need to let it be someone that you see whenever you go out socially, but not someone that you're constantly being influenced by. And there are some of you that have acquaintances in your life. Let me tell you real quick, they are killing you. And you don't need to go and tell them that, but you need to slowly stop being involved with them. You need to move them. Now, let me also explain one thing in this. It's easy for you to move people within your circles, but some of you need to look around and realize that you think you are in someone's circle when you're really not. See, what is so easy for us to do is to want to be involved, to want to be wanted, to want to be on the inside because nobody likes being on the outside looking in. And so you start to evaluate your friends and you're like, yeah, they're my close people. But then you start to look at it and you're not always being included or you're not always in on the text or you're not always going to the party or there's like three or four people who are always doing something and you're kind of that fifth wheel coming in on the side, you may think you're in their core, but then you're gonna wake up one day and realize you're not. And this is not to make you feel bad. This is to make you feel empowered. Because if you think you're in someone's core, but they don't think you're in their core, that you're in their core, here it is. That's not their fault. It's yours. It's yours because you miss the expectation, you miss the assumption, and you miss the signs to see, oh, they may actually not be my people. And then you have the agency, you have the empowerment, you have the ability not to make them feel bad for not including you, but to say, got it, I'm gonna find my people now. It's not their problem, it's yours. And you have the ability to fix it. So many times whenever our relationships go sour or they go awry, we look and we start shifting the blame to other people. It's like, well, if you would have done this or if you could have done this, if you'd have just included me, instead of looking at ourselves saying, who's in my circle? Who are the people I wanna surround myself with? Because what you may realize is that those people were there the entire time. The people who you actually truly need to trust. The people that you actually truly need to lean on. The people who are actually going to help you say, I'm living my best life. So as we talk about the reality of community and how you can find them, how you can make them, how you can move them, how you can live your best possible life by the circles that you keep. If this feels like something that you desire is to have this, but you feel like you don't, let me tell you, you're not alone. Actually, Jenny Allen, the girl I talked about, here's how she says it. She says, because we weren't just built for community. We were built because of it. See, every single one of you was made out of relationship for relationship. Because God sat there and said, I'm gonna make man in my image to become a co-ruler of this thing called earth alongside me. And I wanna have a relationship with him. You were made out of the desire for a relationship. A relationship with God. And so for some of you, what tonight is, is an opportunity for you to evaluate the community that you're in, for you to find authentic community, authentic community that's real, that's vulnerable, that's not fake because no one likes fake people. And you need to learn how to do that both here at TLR and in every single day of your life 
because it will make your life better. We wanna say that this is your home away from home because we truly believe that a house is your place, but your home is your people. And these people here can become that for you. They can become your acquaintances. They can become your village. They can become your core. And you can live your best possible life because they're here. But there are some of you who you are trying to find fulfillment from community and fulfillment from people when you are designed to find that fulfillment from something so much greater and so much deeper. See, if you really want to be someone who lives with the wisdom of having great community around you, it may mean that you need to start finding out how to have a relationship and embracing a relationship with the person who invented relationships. God designed relationships as a gift for us to have as people so that in our relationships, we would be able to mirror what he wants to provide to us. And for some of you, you're hearing that and you're like, wait, God wants a relationship with me? Yes, God wants to be your friend. God wants to get to know you. He wants to have an intimate connection with you because this is not about a religion. It's about a relationship. So if you want relationships to be healthy and to be great in your life, it's because you were designed to want that with God and he wants to give it to you. This might be news to some of you. This might be for the first time to some of you. Some of you might think that you've got to do enough to earn that relationship But God would sit here and tell you, I've already done everything for you so that you don't have to. You don't have to go and get perfect as a prerequisite. You just gotta show up. Some of us think that we can't have a good relationship with God until we go get ourselves clean, until we go get everything right. Then we might be worthy of that relationship with God. And what God is saying is, you don't go and get clean before you come to me. You just come to me and I'll make you clean. That's called grace. And it's a gift available to all of you, that relationship that you can have, that intimacy, that knowledge of who he is and who you are through your creator. Because he created and designed relationships so that you could have one with him. So there are some of you who are trying to find everything you need to say, I'm living my best life from everything around you. And the first thing you need to do is look inside of you and find out how to have a relationship with the God who created you. See, Jesus loves you so much that he wants to save you from your sin and from yourself exactly as he finds you. But thank God he loves you way too much to leave you as he found you because he wants to build a relationship with you where you grow, where you get better, where you say, this is my best life. Jesus loves you so much that he willingly chose to do whatever it took to have that relationship with you. See, when Jesus looks at you, it's not a feeling that he has. He's not thinking, oh, they're so good, now they receive my love. Did you know that Jesus didn't even wanna go to the cross? See, if you read the story of scripture and you look at what Jesus has done for you and the relationship that's available to you, we see the night before Jesus was crucified and killed, he sat there and prayed to God, if there's any way to take this from me, take it, God, because I don't wanna do this. He had so much anxiety, so much fear, so much worry that he was bleeding, he was sweating drops of blood. And yet he sat there talking to God and said, but what I want more than my feelings is I want them to be with you so I will willingly choose 
to love them. I'll willingly choose to give up my life to become a sacrifice so that they can have a relationship with you because there's not a single one of us who were born with that relationship. Our sin, our pride, our darkness, our dirty, our nasty, the things that we have as secrets that nobody else wants to know, they keep us from God. But Jesus says, but that's not best. That's not what I want for them. I want them to have that relationship. And so Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But then thank God, Jesus is the only person who could have done it. He had the power to defeat that death. And so three days later, on his own, he rose from the grave, fully alive, fully human, but changed now, completely in the manifestation of God. And he would walk around and say, so now when you choose to follow me, I'm gonna give you this gift of eternal life, real and eternal life, more and better life than you could ever dream of. And it's gonna be because of this relationship that you have with me this restored relationship with God. And there are a lot of you who have never actually chosen to say, yeah, that's what I want. And until you have that, you will be searching and seeking everywhere you can to find what only God can fill. And so when he looks at you, he is not judging you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not disappointed in you. You don't make him angry. He's not against you. The person of Jesus shows that he loves you and that he did everything he could so that he could be with you and you could be with him. And the only thing you have to do is choose to follow him. You don't even have to believe everything yet. Belief is here. Following is here. It's a choice of how you live your life so that you can say, now I'm living my best life. See, that is the key to unlocking your life. That's the key to saying, this is what I need now. I'm filled up. And so tonight, there's this opportunity to evaluate to just take an honest look at yourself. There's some of you who walked in these doors and you haven't been honest with other people about the stuff going on in your life, but what's worse is you haven't even been honest with yourself about what you're choosing to do with your life and where you're finding all of your identity. You would say, I'm living my best life, look at it on Instagram, but inside you are hollow, you are hurting, you are empty, and you need healing. And God wants to give you that tonight. And so I'm going to invite Lauren to sing a song over you, a song for you to be able to sit and reflect underneath and to evaluate, are there people in my life that I need to shift, that I need to move? Is the quality of my life where I need it to be? If it's not, then are the quality of my friends where they need to be? Because they're probably not. And you may need to do some hard digging and thinking into the reality of the community that you have company that you keep. There are some of you that you can do that all you want, but until you find the actual relationship, the only relationship that can actually fill you up, you're always going to be wanting. 
So I wanna give you a chance to kind of think through what that looks like and for some of you to respond to that. But instead of saying some prayer or walking up here or writing on a card, I just want you intimately with God, you may not even know how, to sit there and say, God, I want it. Help me know how to follow you. And it may mean that over the next few moments, you choose to treat that chair that you're sitting in like a little altar. And you just choose to, when they're playing the song, to get down on your knees and to start praying and start asking God to come into your life, to restore your life, to heal your life, and to show you how much he loves you. Maybe everything you've been searching for, you need to realize that Jesus is the answer. Whatever it is, no matter how you're living your life, it's him. And so tonight you need to respond to that gift, that offer, that invitation in your chair, right where you are. So they're gonna sing over you as you pray, as you think, as you evaluate, and as you figure out, what do I need to do to be able to say I'm living my best life? So I'm gonna pray for us. And then they're gonna sing, and then we're gonna worship because of how good God is and how much he loves you. So Jesus, thank you for the wisdom of our circles and the company that we keep Thank you for allowing us to understand that there are some of us in this room who have not been surrounding ourselves with the wisest people and yet it's not an opportunity to feel ashamed or like we've messed up. It's an opportunity to get better. It's an opportunity to look at the reality of our life and say, I want more. So Father, I pray that over the next few moments if there's anyone in this room who needs help finding better community, God, would you provide them with people in the same way you did me, those three guys in Athens? Would you divinely place people in their life that will start to make them better? But Father, there are people in this room who've walked in here with pain, who've walked in here with shame, who've walked in here with guilt about what they've done. And they don't wanna carry it anymore. But they don't know where to go. Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus, you would give them the courage to get down on their knees, to surrender their life and to say, so Jesus, I wanna find it in you. I don't even know what this means. I don't even know how it plays out, but, but I know that there's something more that I want in life. And if you can offer that to me, I wanna find that because you are the only way that I can have that relationship restored with God. So Father, I pray that those people would have the courage to respond. And that when they do, when they draw near to you in that way, that you would draw near to them. So thank you for loving us so much that you offer this to us. But even more than that, Jesus, thank you that you loved us first. We love you right back. And we respond to that love now. In Jesus' name, amen.